guys. Welcome to Ruin Hammer, Season 2, Episode 29. Uh, where's my co-host? There he is. I'm here. <laughs> hey, mate. I'm doing good. Uh, us, us folk north of the border are doing a little bit better, breathing a little bit easier today. I, I don't um, know what just happened with our intro, but it sounded like it was being attacked by aliens. I don't, know, uh, okay. if just, I don't know if it was just my end down here or whether that's what everyone was seeing. So I can't comment, mate. I don't know. Um, okay. Yeah. It might've been something a little bit weird going on there. Uh, yeah. Might be a little glitch in the matrix as there always seems to be. Yeah. Thanks everyone for joining us on this special Thursday night edition of Ruin Hammer. Yeah, it uh, is. It's a very first Thursday show, isn't it? Oh no, we, we, we did a few Thursdays end of last year, but um. Mid-season Thursday show. So thanks everyone for joining us. Yeah. Hey, Christian, how are you, mate? Um, Yeah, mate, obviously um, Thursday night show because we did have Origin uh, last night up there at Bus Super. We Uh, did um, to a predominantly predominantly, uh, New South Wales supporting crowd, which was quite unusual. Bit bizarre, wasn't it? Um, Queenslanders getting booed and then Daly Cherry Evans at the end of the game getting booed during his... uh, his post-game speech. Uh, I, I don't um, quite understand that, especially especially after we won. But um, yeah, as you said, the season 2021 State of Origin is done and dusted. So we, we must say congratulations to your Blues on their series win. Way too good in games one and two. Yep. Um, I got to say that is probably, despite all the years of Queensland dominance, that is probably the strongest Origin side I think I've seen in a long time. The, new, the, blues? The, the blues team of games one and two. Yep. Uh, Such a well-balanced side, so much firepower, attack uh, all over the park, just threats everywhere. Um, yeah, so big congratulations to uh, Freddie and the boys. I, um, I did say last week that the exclusion of Nathan Cleary, the cyborg from the New South Wales side, and the inclusion of Ben Hunt into the starting side for Queensland would be the catalyst for a Queensland victory. Uh, I you did. did. You were Nostradamus this week. I was. <laughs> I was. Um, yeah, so congratulations to Queensland. They played well. I think, that, as I said, the big difference was was Nathan Cleary not there. It really limited the, the good ball that Tommy Turbo and Latrell have been getting in the first two games, and that showed yes. up last night. Mitch, Mitch Moses, congratulations to him on his debut, but uh, Mitch Moses as an origin half, I think he's played... His one and only Origin game. Um, one game wonder you're picking, mate. He didn't. He just didn't do enough. He didn't run the ball. He, he all he did was catch pass kick, um, and he really didn't do enough to guide that Blues side around the park. Yeah, Whiten probably had more of a dig than he did. Um, yeah. yeah, didn't didn't run the ball. Didn't take on the line. Um, yeah, as you said, just just put in his kicks. Um, he said he did set up that try towards the end, but. Um, yeah, he was a bit of a non-feature. Um, although I just want to go back and touch on um, some of, despite the, the victory, um, may take a little bit of the heat off of the series for Queensland, but geez, uh, games one and two, and even the build-up to game three, geez, it was a shambles. Uh, Queensland has, yep. I've never seen such a lack of depth in, in key positions for Queensland, not, not since going back to like the 90s when the team was predominantly like Broncos players and um, you know, the guys that came in last night did a good job and we'll talk about it a bit more later, but, um, well, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. The, and, and look at the margins. I mean, 50 to 6, 26 nil. Last last night's game was more of a, of a classic origin contest, the 20 to 18. Uh, a, a pretty good game to watch. Uh, you've got to question Paul Green's future. Um, the way he kind of is bizarre that his handling of his media commitments this week and a um, bit of a schmozzle. Uh, <laughs> Mark Roberts has said, hey, Ruin Hammer, is Josh Gage still watching the Warriors game today? He's in the next They're just blowing full is. time. Yeah. <laughs> put him out of his misery, finally. <laughs> that, that, that was a bit of fun. And thanks to everyone that, that tuned in. Yeah, we love we loved that. Um, there'll, there'll be definitely be more of that coming. Uh, I'm going to try and do another one this week. I, I'm not the... I'm not the brains behind the uh, the Zoom to Facebook stuff. That's, that's the office <laughs> department up in Queensland. I do all the uh, I do all the, the like the prep stuff with all, our content and um, and do a lot of the all the stuff. We're, we're like we're like Captain Planet here. With our powers combined, we form Ruin Hammer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm or gonna try or whatever you want to say. I'm going to try and do a live from this week because uh, Rob's actually going to be at the game at yeah. Uncorp. So. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll reach out to a couple of people over the weekend and see if they want to jump on and do a bit of a live watch. Um, so, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It could be uh, another funny one. Um, yeah. As, uh, as, as we seem to have said a lot over the last five weeks or so, should we rip the Band-Aid off and get stuck into said game that we did watch live mm-hmm. on Sunday? We could. I must say, watching it live with... Uh, uh, with a group like with uh, yourself and, and Juan, um, Josh Gage, uh, Sean and uh, Jay Harris, yep. it kind of took the edge off the defeat a little bit. Um, it, it definitely did for me. I'm glad you said that because it made it a bit more fun and a bit more bearable other than us all just sitting, sitting in alone in our collective living rooms just going, geez, that was awful. Yeah. Yeah, at least you know we were all there. There was a there's a bit of banter, a few laughs, and it was yeah, it was a very enjoyable way to watch a game of footy. It, it next was a best great way to be in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly right for me. It was it was um and as you know, we've we've gone to the game live together. Uh, and how we watch the game live is a lot different to how we watch it at home in the living room, where yeah, we're yeah. a little bit more reserved at the field. We <laughs> we kind of take a lot in. We don't say too much. Uh, we don't you know we're not pacing. So um, <laughs> there was no need uh, for pacing on the weekend because we were literally never even really close enough. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was um, you watched the, you watched us guys watching it because you couldn't find a working stream. So you're in New Zealand, are you, Mark? Yeah. Roberts, that is. And uh, Nick McKercher, speak. Bruce, he says, Bruce, speaking of which, how is my ticket looking, mate? It's looking mate, pretty I, good. I saw your message just as I was going live. Yeah, your ticket's all sweet, buddy. Um, so me and the Kirch and the Seanster will be live at the game, uh, sitting in section 328. If anybody is going to be at the game as well, come and see me. I've got some posters and everything um, to hand out. So we'll make a day of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me know what whether you can't watch the actual stream in New Zealand, Mark, and um, I can w- I'll work something out for you, brother. Uh, mm. I can. I don't know, do you have Ko in New Zealand? Um, Is that or, a Kiwi thing? Hey, do they? Yeah, do they do Ko or do they do Sky Sports know. app or something like that? Or? Yeah, I, I don't know. Just yeah. even send me a, a private message, Mark, and um, we can discuss something, mate. Because uh, I could I could even hook you up with my Ko. 
Um, we'll pull a few strings. Stuff so, you could, yep. so you can watch the games over in New Zealand, bro. Mm. I'm happy to do that. Um, uh, yeah, so let's get into the, the round 17 review of the Sharks um, at Netstrata Jubilee Stadium. Uh, obviously, fixture was played with no crowds uh, due to the COVID outbreak in Sydney that's now slowly starting to branch out across um, the borders into Victoria and Queensland. I know Victoria's gone into a five-day lockdown now. Us here in New South Wales have got another two weeks that I can't see ending in two weeks. I think it'll be a bit longer than that. And now there's a couple of cases up north. Seems so. only a matter of time before we go into another lockdown yeah. as well. You so guys, yeah, let's nice. let's watch this space, eh? Yep. Uh, Coach Brown with minimal changes to the game day 17 again this week. Uh, Kane Evans, the only real change, dropped off the interchange bench and Jack Murchie coming onto the bench. And uh, Matt Lodge, congratulations to new recruit Matt Lodge making his club debut, becoming Warrior 263. But more importantly becoming a member of the exclusive Tiger Warriors. Yes, of course. He's another one. Oh, oh this surely doesn't mean that a certain uh, certain person gets pushed out of number 25 in the squad. No, he's always going to be 25. Yeah, he's, always, he's always on the extended, extended reserves. He'll never yeah. move from that position. Actually. Uh, uh, yes, that, both teams had a few sets. It was pretty even with strong carries uh, from the middle forwards, namely from that man, Matt Lodge. Yep. And both sets of halves getting to their kicks. Uh, Lodge, AFB, Jazz, some good early hit-ups, strong carries. And Eli Katoa continued on his good form that he uh, showed at the, last week against the Dragons. Yep. And uh, Wish, so Carl Drogo the, from, uh, what's that show called? Game of Thrones. So apparently if you buy him on Wish, you get a bloke called Toby Rudolph. <laughs> so whenever we talk about Wish Drago, we, we're referring okay. to the back flipper himself, Toby Rudolph. Yep. Uh, that, and he, he was a pick of the Cronulla forwards as well, as, as we've noted. And the Warriors had an early repeat set from a Cronulla uh, knock-on of a, of a Sean O'Sullivan bomb, but the attacking set of absolutely no direction from our halves. And we just failed to capitalise on that early opportunity. Bit of a theme. Yeah, we did. That was a that was a shocking set with the ball. Oh. Um, Ten minutes in, the Warriors start to build a bit of pressure with a set restart and then a penalty. Uh, and the Warriors were looking pretty dangerous um, with Walsh on the left edge and Katoa's direct running on that right edge. Sean O'Sullivan with a nice kick, nice kick into the goal, but um, Bailey Sirenen tries that impossible play. I, I don't know what that was about. That that's the definition of a low percentage play. Prejack had already touched the ball, and Prejack for those that are watching it. <laughs> Ronaldo Mulatalo. Uh, we call him pre-ejac because he's pre-ejaculation because uh, every time he does something in a game, he gets up uh, with a premature celebration. So, Celebrating like he's won the comp, yeah. So he's now called pre-ejac um, or pre-ejaculation. So yeah, uh, pre-ejac had knocked the ball dead and then for some reason, Sirenen thought that he'd be able to bat, bat it back oh. into the end goal when it was only like millimetres off the ground. It was it was, it was was never going to be a play. It was it just put... Released all the pressure off the Sharks because we gave them a seven tackle set. Uh, it was, it, it was seriously. If Brownie still had hair, he would rip the rest of it out oh, then. Absolutely, absolute coach killer. Yeah, uh, the Sharks uh, then with a ruck error puts the Warriors back on the attack inside the Sharks half. But again, um, the Warriors spoil another deft Sean O'Sullivan kick. The, the I think Cody Nicarima was deemed offside on that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, so the Warriors start using the ball with some well-worked sets and offloads. So they start troubling the Sharks' defense a little bit. So there were some encouraging signs. 
fifth tackle bomb from uh, Cody is taken by Katoa, who pushes the pass out to Berry, who he uses his size and footwork, and that's that's a real uh, asset having a man of with that size and speed in the centres as well. Yeah. Uh, so to push to push off the defenders, flick pass to DWZ, who puts in a, a nice, well-rated grubber kick, and the chosen one. Reese Walsh wins the race to it. Man with many nicknames. Chosen one we're going with. Um, goes and scores the first points for the Warriors. Um, so gets us out to a 6-0 lead. And then a good set after points getting to their kick. That's a bit of a rarity for us. It is. Um, and, and then a good defensive set. And the Warriors, we're starting to win the arm wrestle field position and making the Sharks start their sets off their own goal line here. Yeah, we were. Our fifth tackle penalty relieves all that pressure. And swings that momentum back to the Sharks. Uh, Connor Tracy scores via a very bad defensive read from uh, Cody, who kind of jammed in, forcing uh, Rocco Berry to jam in on, on Cody's player, leaving uh, Tracy unmarked to watch through a huge hole, level scores at 6 all. Uh, and then there were some even sets for the next few minutes before uh, the chosen one or the golden child, Reese Walsh, uh, puts a nice kick in and he's unlucky not to force a dropout with a great kick chase. Yeah, the Sharks get some release. Uh, release. Relief. Uh, Matt Lodge is penalised for a high shot on uh, old pre-jack. And yeah. it's unavoidable with the pre-jack falling in the tackle. I mean, it's an unlucky one. And again, I think that was like late in the tackle count as well. Yeah, it was. Um, ugh, it's just. And our uh, past and present, Sean Johnson. Uh, past and future, I should say, Sean Johnson. Uh, starts to show his game management, working the ball both sides of the rock, kicking game. He's getting back-to-back sets, two forced dropouts, and then a knock-on by Walsh, unfortunately. It did go straight into the bread basket, straight out again from the golden boy. And so the Sharks just continued to build the pressure and working hard to defense, defend for five straight sets on the line. And it was inevitable that sustained pressure forces us to crack. And Braden Trindle, again, scores a very soft try. Yeah, runs through about three or four guys. It was, yeah, really not good enough. No, and then it's compounded. Reese Walsh kicks out on the full from the restart, mm. and the Sharks are again on the attack deep in the Warriors' half. Another set restart, and the Sharks have now had pretty much eight unanswered sets on the Warriors' line. Uh, Braden Hamnyluelli hits the ball at speed, running straight at Walsh and crashing over the line, and probably the best post try celebration uh, I've ever seen, where he uh, did the the rocks people's elbow. Um, was funny listening to the commentator's commentator because at first uh, Warren Smith thought, he, thought he'd hit his own player. Uh, I thought he had as well. I thought because we had the sound down when we were watching. Oh, is he just, is he like copped a head knock and just socked his own mate? <laughs> uh, well, the Sharks with, with three consecutive sets and the Warriors giving away penalty on the line and the Sharks take a penalty shot right on halftime to, to go to halftime 20 points to six up. And like they absolutely dominated the last 10 minutes of that second half. Sharks yep. had 11 consecutive sets in the well, final 12 minutes, I should say, of that half under enormous pressure at the back end. And Warriors again showing that we just we just cannot cope when the momentum swings against us. It's, no. It's, it's a real, real serious issue. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's something that... Um... <sighs> You'd think we'd know how to handle it now because it happens every week. I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I don't know. Like, all you can all you can say is like, it, I know people keep denying the whole mental toughness thing, but it has that has to be a part of it. 
Mate, one of the things, and I'm not saying I'm an NRL coach by any standard, but but one of the things as a junior rugby league coach that we used to do at training um, for our ball work sessions and our defensive sessions, it, we'd get the kids to a point of fatigue and then we'd make them do their ball sessions and their defensive um, sessions under fatigue because that's how they're going to be doing it in a game. Now, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I don't know if Brownie's doing that at training. I, I mean, I, I, I can't comment because I'm not there, but mm. it... it it seems as though, like, and, and in saying that, um, 11 consecutive sets and the Sharks managed to break us twice, which is is not too bad. It's just the fact that we're allowing teams to get back-to-back sets on us and roll down the field is probably the 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 issue here. It's not so much the defence because, uh, yeah, that, they we went we defended six straight sets before they actually scored that first uh, Braden Trindle try on our yeah, line. Yeah, I guess the only thing for me was. All three of their first half tries were just really soft, though. Yep. Really soft. Yeah, that was the biggest thing for me going into halftime. Like, I, I could have, I could have overlooked, like, and and like, you did mention like some positives there, and I probably could have acknowledged that a bit better if we made them work for those tries a bit more. Yeah. But they were literally just running like the Trendle one. He ran through like about three or four guys. Yeah, um, the Hamlin Ueli just isolating Walsh and. And then, uh, and then um, Tracy, Connor Tracy running through a, a yawning gap. Uh, and see, the, the, the other end of the field, we get up the other end of the field and we don't take advantage of those situations we put ourselves in to get repeat sets. So, you know, um, as I said, as we said, Sean O'Sullivan's first kick, Mulatalo um, knocks it dead. It's going to be a, a goal line dropout, but Bailey Sirenham touches the ball before it hits the ground, which then creates a seven tackle set. And then we, our next set up there, Sean O'Sullivan puts another good kick into the goal and Cody Nikarima leads the chase, but he's, he's offside. So again, yeah. it's, it's little things. Is, is it footy smarts? Is it no, like that's footy it. IQ? That's what it comes down to. It's the yeah. footy IQ. IQ. Yeah, absolutely. Um, second half starts similar to the first half. Both teams playing a pretty up-tempo style of footy. Excuse me. The Warriors get an early opportunity via a uh, golden child chosen one left side break from deep within his half. Um, some good second phase play and Offlo sees Berry go close in the right corner. And then he throws to, he tries to throw that ball back to DWZ. He knocks it on, but he's going out anyway. Uh, but the Warriors do look to be the better of the two teams to start the second half with that up-tempo style of play. Um, and we're choosing to, to use the ball to help create opportunities, which is something that we've been lacking. Yeah, and the golden boy, golden child, Reese, uh, was taking on extra responsibilities as well with his kicking game and looking for, uh, actually looking for a forty twenty on on separate occasions. And it's it's amazing that like a, an eighteen year old kid is showing like possibly more footy IQ than some of the other senior members. Yeah, in the in the squad as well, which is which is got, yeah. which has got to be a concern. Um, Shawnee O'Sullivan with a great one on one strip on the old pre jack and put the Warriors back on the attack. And Sir- Surinan gets hit with that blatant swinging arm from uh, Sione Katoa. It should have should have been a sin bin. I mean, look, you saw the blood gushing out of his gushing out of his nose, and once again, um, a crucial refereeing decision going against us. Uh, Katoa goes uh, so um, Ellie Katoa goes close to scoring. Um, it's held up in goal, and then like, yeah, just a just absolute pressure relieving drop by the merch unfortunately it was it, it was, was not a, it was not a good look it was not a good look yeah. it was fifth tackle um yep. and egan really shouldn't have been looking for the crash play of merchy anyway he should have been looking out the back to 
O'Sullivan and, and Nicarima. And I, I think Murchie was running through as a decoy runner, not even expecting the ball to come to him. Uh, it's, it's, which is it, no again, excuse. It's low percentage again as yeah. well. Yeah. Like you, 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 are you relying on like under 12s thing? Like the biggest guy in the field can score by putting him, giving the ball close to the line. Like it's, I, I don't understand that, that continual tactic. No, me neither. Yeah. Me neither. Um, Rocco Berry had some really nice touches uh, and creating some indecision in the defensive line with his, his footwork and offloads. Um, Murchie, the momentum killer uh, with his second <laughs> knock on in three touches. Murchie, the ball over, <laughs> oh, the, the ball over the, uh, with the Warriors on the attack. RTS fields a kick and finds Walsh up the middle who takes off for a 40-metre run to set up a good ball set. And then the Warriors win a rare captain's challenge to keep the pressure on the Sharks. And on tackle three after uh, the scrum, RTS scores off a great Sean O'Sullivan short ball uh, to get the Warriors back to within eight. Are you thinking this could be the start of a bit of a comeback here? Um, Sean O'Sullivan with some good defensive efforts as well on some of the Sharks' big men. So he was showing a fair bit of heart there. Yeah. Um, having probably had his best game for the club in his, in his short um, career thus far. Johnson goes close to scoring with a kick to the end goal area, but... Um, Ellie Katoa with a great effort from the big man to win the race to the ball and knock it dead. So good desperation shown there. Much yep. needed, must be said. Um, yep. SJ again with his control and game management um, with a second force dropout in a row, starting to, to shift the momentum back um, in the Sharks' favour and build the pressure. But Will Kennedy um, with a ruck error um, relieves us and, and we survive. Yeah. Yeah. Just barely. Just, um, yes. Yeah, we get a good set and a great kick chase puts the pressure back onto the Sharks, but a second high tackle from uh, Adam Fanua Blake nullifies that hard work. Mm, uh, and the next one. few, yeah, the next few sets from both teams are peppered with poor execution, poor ball security. Uh, both teams turning the ball over pretty cheaply. Uh, the Warriors with a hectic Montoya kick into the end goal results in Murchie getting his hand to the ball. But again, both he and Siren are offside and the trials tries dis- uh, disallowed. And, and a fair bit offside, like it wasn't, there wasn't much in it uh, it's, it's it's a tough one at the heat of the moment where you just see the ball go through the end goal area but like we chant we chance our hand in the, um with our final opportunity a bullet pass from walsh to dwz look at the time you're thinking that's probably not the play it was a low again a low percentage play yep. um he and even if he'd caught it he would, wouldn't have had a lot of room to move i, I suppose you know you can't blame the kid for trying um, and then, yeah, that sees the Sharks hang on for a gritty win for them, keeping their season alive. Yeah. Um, so whether they're leading by eight or trailing by eight, you know, the Warriors' inability, real inability to close out a game is pretty much becoming the signature of this season. It is, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's disappointing to say, but it's... You just yeah. can't, with any confidence, um, sort of trust that we're going to be able to negotiate those last five to ten minutes a couple of comments coming through mate um mm-hmm. at least lazy least an attempt at tackling why is he still in the team with 27 meters in 36 minutes yeah it's a that's a great question um yeah i don't know i really don't know uh the only other option is kane evans and kane evans really isn't offering much else either in i suppose of- i suppose leeson is more of a reliable option than Kane Evans, perhaps. Um, yeah. Kane Evans does like an offload. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the beauty is we get Curran back this week um, into that forward pack rotation. So, which Yeah, he adds, he adds 
sort of a bit more of a dynamic edge. Um, yeah. Just as long as he keeps his keeps his tackles down, we will be sweet. Christian says Montoya. I reckon he's better as a winger. Uh, Barry needs to be to start every week. He had a great game. That's true. He did. And he did. I, agree. He... I, I think Montoya is a better winger than a centre. Um, Montoya's only been there to cover uh, what's his name. You and Aitken. You and Aitken. Yeah, some of his some of his defensive reads have not been great at centre, and and that last try that the Dragons scored the week before was was from a bad defensive read from him as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I can agree with that on the wing, um, but with a full strength lineup, he may struggle to even be in the, the seventeen. Yeah, but well, he's 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 good good backup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why we stopped giving the bury the ball in the second half. It was more. He getting them from second hit-ups. Give him early ball. Yeah, I agree. He's When he had early ball and he had a bit of space to move, he was really troubling those Sharks defenders. Um, mm. He's a big he's a big body. He's still learning the game, which is uh, really good. A couple, pulled off a couple of really good um, tackles on the weekend too, like uh, which is uh, un, uncommon for a rugby union convert to be such a good rugby league-style tackler. Yeah. I... I I've, I remember seeing uh, him in the in person earlier in the season, and I don't want to. This might sound a little bit funny, but he's actually somewhat of a similar body shape and size to Tommy Turbo. Yeah, he is. Like he's he's tall and lean, but if he if he I think if he can like maybe add a little bit of bulk, he'll be he'll be a damaging player. He'll be hard to negotiate in the centres. You agree. get him one on one, and he'll beat most players. He's got good footwork. He's got good skill. Um, he. Look, he's an exciting prospect. He is. Um, yeah, the, no point going over the, the stats of the game. The stats yeah, stats, stats. Yeah. Um, probably the, the key ones are our uh, players over 100 metres. Uh, Walsh at 195. Fennell Blake, 166. RTS, 161. Uh, Dallin, 156. Ellie Katoa, 118. He keeps getting better and better every week now. He is, um, he's he's, he's yeah. improving with every game. It's good and, to see. Um, Matt Lodge with 116. Uh, and, of course, uh, Wade Egan, 59 tackles. Jazz, 46 tackles. Uh, leaving the tackle count. Now, for me, and I, I know we harp on it every week and, and what have you, but I still think we lose so much with Roger not being at fullback. Mm. Um, and you saw he scored, he scored his try chiming in like he was playing fullback. But he's his, uh, 100 metres down every game playing on the wing. And Walsh isn't picking up those extra 100 metres as the fullback. I just find... I just think Roger would be so much, so much better suited for us at fullback. If, if we're serious about winning games and making the eight, then Brown's got to bite the bullet and move Walsh into the halves and keep RTS at fullback. Without a doubt. We are just lacking so much spark and creativity in our halves. And what's there to lose? I mean, our season's... I mean, if it's not on a knife's edge, it's like... I mean, we lose. We lose this. I think the only thing keeping us in this season is the fact that everyone else is losing as well. Like yeah. around that position, it's it's a bit of a false. Yep. I think it's a bit of a false kind of setup at the moment. It is. It's, it is. I mean, everyone from that seventh to thirteenth are just struggling. They'll, like you know, there's us, the Cowboys, the Sharks. The they're going to limp. Going to limp into the playoffs. There's going to be at least two, maybe three teams that will absolutely limp in there. So if if I, I don't know if we're still playing for the season. We need to add an extra dimension there in attack in the halves. We need a spark. He has to be there. Walsh has to be there. He has yep. so much energy. Like look, look at the first half against the Cowboys, where we probably looked our best 
in the first time we played the Cowboys. It's probably the best we've looked all season in attack. And he was playing 5-8 that day. Um, Okay, if the season's done and dusted, yes, okay. Move Walsh back to fullback so he gets more game time there because he is going to be playing there next year and RTS isn't. If if they they come to the acknowledgement that, yeah, the season's done and dusted, then yes, move Walsh back there. That's my opinion anyway. I don't think the season's done and dusted yet. That's the thing. We're, we're mm. what, two or four points out of the eight. There's still, you know, I mean, you look at our run home and we've got, you know, the Titans, the Broncos. We keep Raiders, saying that, but look at the teams that we're losing to, though. I know, and that's what I'm saying. The Tigers, we've yeah. got five teams that are in and around us that struggle for consistency like we do. And we pick up all the five wins and, yeah, yep. we're right back in the mix. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I, I, would, I would love to see Walsh. He, he offers such a, a massive point of difference in attack and he's the only one creating anything. Only one. Absolutely the only one. Cody and O'Sullivan aren't creating anything. And that's nothing against Sean O'Sullivan. He's he's had a really – he hasn't had much of a a first-grade career. He's only played a handful of games. And he's always coming in as a stopgap. And he knows he's a stopgap. He knows he's not the number one choice, which must be really, really hard to play like that week in, week out, um, where you're just trying to prove yourself all the time. Mm. Um, But Cody's a seasoned veteran. Of, yeah, you know, that's that's the big one for me. He's the, he yeah. really needs to be stepping up and taking a lot more responsibility and directing that side around the park. In the absence of uh, Chad Townsend or um, Chanel Harris-DeVita. So, what are you squinting at? Oh, it's not, something popped up on my screen. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's nothing. Nothing. Nothing against what you said at all. No, I'm. I'm no, I thought you were reading something. No, 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 I'm in full agreement. Just something popped up and said, do you want to reboot your computer? Uh, no, not right now. Thank you. <laughs> um, we'll quickly go through the other three round 17 games uh, and that origin game from last night. That's the only other games from the weekend. So we had um, Thursday night, we had Canberra 30 versus Manly 16. Uh, the big test for Manly in this game was always going to be how they perform without both uh, DCE and Tommy Turbo playing. Uh, Manly got early points for a Dylan Walker try, but then it was all Canberra who controlled the speed and momentum of the game with some sustained attacking pressure uh, that they were able to turn into points. Um, that sustained pressure tied out Manly's defensive line and the Raiders with two tries in the back end of the half to Tommy Starling and Sam Williams, identifying some lazy markers at defenders and around the ruck. Uh, the Raiders kept that pressure on the second half with four repeat sets to open the half, which resulted in Sammy Williams grabbing his second try of the match. And uh, Jared Croker, the conversion of that try, bringing up his 2,200 NRL points, placing him fourth all-time now behind Hazamel Magic. Uh, I wonder how many of those points were scored against the Warriors. Uh, (laughs) He's probably scored about (laughs) 1,000. Seb Chris scored a few minutes later from a Moses Sully Falcon that put him him in the... Wasn't that ridiculous? Oh, mate. (laughs) Stood there and let the ball hit him on the head. Go. Go. Not the brightest player, I'm sure. Uh, Manly did try to claw their way back into the game with tries to uh, Olika Artu and Suli, but the Raiders closed out the game with a try to uh, kebab boy Emre Gula for a well-deserved win that keeps the Raiders in the hunt for a top eight spot. And I'm calling him kebab boy not out of disrespect, but his parents actually parents. own the kebab shop about uh, a kilometre down the road from where we live. So, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, the first game on... Actually, sorry, the only game on Friday night was the Rabbitohs 46 over the Cowboys 18. Uh, a good friend of the show, Toddy Payton, was back on deck after his COVID isolation. 
And this game started out as, as a bit of a dour struggle, actually. It was weird. Um, both teams only points in the opening 15 minutes, a penalty goal each. So two all you're thinking it's going to be a bit of an arm wrestle. Uh, the Cowboys took advantage of some good possession and got a try to Tommy Deard and, and then Shane Wright, who was recipient of some great lead-up work from Matal Malolo, burst straight through and uh, wound the clock back to produce some signature JT from years gone past. Yeah. And this seemingly awakened South, stung them into action. They got four tries in 13 minutes to Blake, Tafe, Alex Johnson, and a double to Warrior 239, one-game Warrior, uh, Tane Milne, to close out the half 22-12. Um, Cowboys rookie Helib Luki, uh, Luki, sorry, uh, sent to the Sinbin early second half. South took advantage of the of the uh, man down. Alex Johnson, he just scores tries for fun. Seriously, that does, oh. uh, they just South continued to control the game and post three more tries to Tom Burgess, followed by a third to Tane Milne for the first career hat trick for him. And then a third to Alex Johnson, his, his 22nd try of the season. And there's still like eight weeks to go. He's gonna, he's easily going to get 30 tries, eh? It's unbelievable. Yeah. Real purple patch of try scoring this game. Fifth consecutive game scoring two tries or more. And his third hat-trick in five games. Imagine having that's got a potency out wide. And the, the Cowboys put in some respectability in the scoreline with a try to the try sneak, Kyle Felt. And the Cowboys really struggling away from Townsville. This being their 14th loss in 16 away games. So they might want to look at uh, rectifying that. Yeah, I, I, I felt sorry for um, for our mate Toddy. Uh, just seeing mm. the images of him up in that box. He, he looks like a he looks like a man that's start, starting to really lose um, faith in what his, his team can do. And, and now the Cowboys are going to be rocked uh, with the loss of uh, Valentine Holmes. Yeah, from last Origin game yeah exactly. Too, so. He um he, he he had them going quite nicely in that sort of middle period of the season, but I think yeah. the wheels have kind of fallen off a bit for them, unfortunately. It did coincide with when they played us, though. So it's it's like a false sense of it's of, an asterisk. There's an asterisk yeah. next yeah. to it. It's like <laughs> a really false sense of um of uh, a performance evaluation because it should say did play the Warriors. Uh, did play the Warriors, who virtually self destructed and handed yeah. us the win. Yeah. Uh, renowned for playing teams into, into generous play. warriors. Um, Christian says, I want to say we can make it, but being honest here, I'm not so sure. Losing close games have killed us. Yeah, well, that's um, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? It's uh, it's been the, the highlight of our season. Oh, um, yeah, he says, Very good performance from us, meaning the Raiders. Uh, I was very satisfied overall. So, you should be. That was a great win by the Raiders. One thing that the Raiders did and it's what we failed to do all year, is when they were on the back foot, when Manly really looked like they were coming back into that, surging back into that game, they they stemmed the flow. Yeah. And, and they turned the table and then closed it out and scored themselves, and that snuffed out the, the comeback completely. I mean, let, let's be honest. It was... It was, um, it was always going to be a difficult ask with Manly, for Manly without Tommy Turbo and mm. Jerry Evans. But oh, absolutely. Canberra can only Massive play the outs. players that are in front of them. You know? so That's it. That's it. And we would have lost that. <laughs> Canberra did a great job. They, they really tied out those manly forwards. Uh, Millie also asked, I think we all need to know, are the kebabs and snack packs any good? Uh, it's been a while since I had a kebab from there, to be quite honest. Uh, there's a kebab shop that's a little bit closer to home, only about 200 metres down the road. So that's that's where I get my kebabs at the moment. And that Snack is pack. That's kebab. like chips, chips and kebab it's, meat, isn't uh, it? Both kebab meats and a bit of salad and stuff like that. It's a good feed. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. I don't know if they... Do they have that north of the border, mate? 
Mate, they do. They, we got the odd kebab shop. Probably not as many as you guys have, but um. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, we've got the um, what's the best way to put it? Around the area that I live is a lot of the kebab loving uh, nationalities. Let's say that is that a good way of saying it? I I, I get you. Yeah. yeah. When I was doing the when I was doing the old uh, keto diet, I was getting those kebab plates. You know, with just the meat and the salad, and then there's cheese and the sauce. Yep. It's um, it was one of the few things that you could find to to chow down on when you're doing that bloody keto thing. Um, the final game of the round on, oh sorry, the Saturday night game was uh, the Roosters 22 over a really plucky Bulldog 16. Yeah. Um, Coach Trent Barrett with a pre-game deci- decision to remove the scarecrow from the playing field and set him up on the sideline. Um, Send him off to fight, see the wizard to find some brains. Well, either that or just to keep the birds away from the uh, from the, the reserves bench. Um, the Scarecrow's first grade career really at a crossroads now, considering the Bulldogs have Burton coming next season to partner Avarillo and the halves. So, yeah, he might be sent back to the farm. Who knows? Um, the Roosters are primed for a big game, considering they've been kept scoreless in their past 145 minutes of gameplay. And Billy Smith, returning from two seasons on the sideline, scored first points with a try inside the first five minutes. And a follow-up try to Satili Tupanu two minutes later for the Roosters to have an early 10-0 lead. Excuse me. The writing's on the wall for the struggling Bulldogs to be on the receiving end of another large scoreline, but no one told the Bulldogs this. And um, the game was supposed to go... Uh, and no one told them how the game was supposed to go. And replacement half Lachlan Lewis with a nice chip and chase wins the race to the ball and scores the Bulldogs' first try in their past 140 minutes of footy. Uh, some individual brilliance from Joey Manu scoring an impressive individual try gets the Roosters back in, on the front foot. However, a handling error on his own line, the next set after points, gives the Bulldogs a great scoring opportunity and Lachlan Lewis scores his second try of the match, uh, reinforcing Barrett's decision to bring him in and leave the Scarecrow sidelined. Uh, the wet conditions having an impact on the game, but the Bulldogs showing some grit and determination to stay in the contest and they go in only four points down at half time. Uh, the Bulldogs get the first points of the second half with a try to Nick Meaney. Scores are tied up at 16 all. Uh, the Roosters hit back straight away with a try to Al Bundy, the shoe salesman, uh, Matt Nikavalu, um, <laughs> to get the Roosters out to a six point lead. Uh, the final 30 minutes is a scrappy affair. The weather playing havoc on ball security. The Bulldogs show a lot of heart and resilience to keep the, the scoreboard from ticking over. Uh, and Sam Walker finishes the game running 80 metres backwards, trying to run the final 20 seconds of the clock down in an obvious homage to Tony Iroh's effort at the Adelaide Rams back in 1998. Oh, I love it. Every time someone does that, they just drag out the Tony Iroh footage from there. Um, and, and I saw it again. He was running like zigzags across the field, old Tony Iroh, but down there at the Adelaide Oval. But I dead set reckon that Sam Walker hadn't thought this through properly because he got to the try line. and still had about 10 seconds to kill. <laughs> oh, because I like the, the look, the look on of Robbo's face after that, I think said it all. And I know he came out in the press conference and said, Oh, I think that was smart game management, but I guarantee you that's not what he said to him straight after when he went into the shed. I can guarantee that too, because the, as you said, the look on his face said it all. <laughs> Boyd Cordner just sort of just went like, what was that? They, they, they show the like the behind camera angle, so it's behind where the roosters are. The ball goes to him, and he turns around, and starts running. You can see um, Caesar, uh, Jared Warrior Hargrave in the background, going, "What are you doing?" Because, <laughs> because a joke, a joke aside, like there are a number of things that could have happened there. Like if someone had kept pace with him, sprinted after him, and put 
put a one-on-one steal or he, he tripped over, he did a hammy or something, or ACL just spilled the ball. Bulldogs player picks it up and scores a try. Like, I mean, I know at first first viewing, oh, it's a fairly safe option, but there's a lot of things that could have gone wrong with that. So oh, I guarantee he probably won't be doing that again next week. No, no, definitely not. Uh, let's let's talk origin, mate. We did have these a game last night. absolutely incredible player nicknames just never end. How long do you spend on these, Hammer? Uh, not long. They just come to me. Um, <laughs> I'll actually post up. I've got a. I'm, I'm compiling a list uh, so that you guys know who we're talking about, which we'll post up on the Facebook page. It's a way to decode it. To decode yes. the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, mate, let's talk origin. So we had game three last night, Queensland yep. coming. Uh, so third game in a row, uh, unprecedented, being played in Queensland. Seabus uh, Stadium last night due to the New I South liked, Wales. I did like the joke that was going around because uh, originally it was going to be at um, Sydney and then they moved it to Newcastle and then that was moved to Seabus. And the joke going around was origin three has been moved more times than Queensland scored tries in this origin series. Uh, going in... <laughs> Well, yes, it's pretty hard to defend that. But um, <laughs> yeah, all three games playing in Queensland this year and a golden opportunity for New South Wales to earn a slice of history and not only get a clean sweep of the series, but win with all three games in Queensland. Uh, Queensland got on the board early with a Val Holmes penalty goal and yep. New South Wales sustained pressure with two repeat sets. Uh, Latrell Mitchell with a first try and some awful defence from Dane Gagai. Uh, yeah, this this was a pretty soft try for Origin. Um, Fanukin and Dale Fanukin and Isaiah Yo with some great work rate. Queensland were unlucky not to score through Val Holmes. Uh, he forced the ball out, but of you know, obviously getting the touch there, yeah. Um, in the act of scoring, um, negated the try. But um, Queensland on the on the attack, but Mitchell with some great play to knock down a DCE pass and um. Cleary's control and kicking game was really missed by New South Wales. White and, and Moses' kicking game was just not on point. And some sustained pressure from Queensland and uh, the uh, Molnier, the yep. Little Hammer, Tabuai Fado, the Little Hammer, I should say. So Molnier being Thor's Little Hammer, not the Stormbreaker, yep. uh, scores one of the great tries. A great lead-up work from Tino. It's good to see him have a strong origin because he... Yeah. he a little bit out of his depth in this series, a lot out of his depth actually. Um, so good to see him um, sort of really getting involved and putting it on a on a platter for the Molnier to score. And Queensland controlled the tempo of the field position of the game, putting defensive pressure on New South Wales coming out of their own half. And a big hit from Tino on the Fox showing the intent of the Queensland pack to really get in and nullify the New South Wales back five. And he was he was a bit of a non-feature for Fox. Yeah. Game, um, as were a few of the other um, New South Wales back five. Um, Fanukin knocks on with the Blues in great field position. Oh, sorry, a great kick from before that. A great kick from New South Wales and a good kick chase. Sees Munster put into touch. So he was yeah. he was under pressure coming off his line there, put into touch. Fanukin knocks on with the Blues in great field position and some little moments by both teams just trying to shift that momentum. And Ben Hunt with an early kick on tackle three deep into New South Wales half. And then a nice offload from Junior Paulo to get New South Wales on the attack. Um, a poor Whiten kick gives a seven tackle set to Queensland and a, a to'o mistake from the kick. 
almost results in a try by Gagai. And it was only really some follow-up desperation from Toto that really prevent, uh, stopped yeah, that prevented that try from being yeah, exactly. scored. Yeah. Yeah, so so Fittler, again, would have been um, delighted to see that kind of desperation um, from his team. And repeat sets and an escort penalty uh, forced dropouts in, in um, control of the game. Sustained pressure on the New South Wales goal line for eight straight minutes. And the Blues actually really showed some great resolve and tenacity there. So that Queensland went into the sheds with an 8-6 lead, but could have been a lot more than that. Could have been easily been 20 points to six. Yep. Um, and we saw at halftime, Holmes out with that shoulder injury, forcing a reshuffle. So running onto the second half, AJ Brimson playing in the centres and forcing, forcing the little hammer, Molnier, out to the wing. And some great early pressure starting to shift the momentum of the game. This is where it really started to change. Some great carries from Haas and Crichton. And then Jack Whiten scored off some sustained pressure from New South Wales to take back the lead to go at 12-8. And then a mistake from um, Mitchell takes the pressure off Queensland, New South Wales, um, with New South Wales attacking the line. And Liam Casper Martin... <laughs> Uh, making his presence felt in defence when he came. Well, I think he was saying, I think that's to do with his uh, severe lack of a tan. <laughs> he looks anemic. <laughs> so there you go. There's another one for you guys. Casper. <laughs> Liam Casper Martin. Yeah. Uh, another error from the Fox trying to ret- retrieve a kick, and that shifts the momentum again back into Queensland's favour. Ben Hunt darts out from dummy half and puts Queensland back in front, 14 to 12. And then Ponga, who had probably his best game at origin level, and ma- didn't he make a difference to that Queensland yeah. team, really sparked them Absolutely. in that, that great run down there. And it goes through several set of hands. Um, I think we're lucky to hold on to that ball and set up another Ben Hunt try. Uh, New South Wales caught short after that break. So many momentum shifts in this game, though. That last sort of 15 minutes, it just sort of seemed to seesaw. New South Wales with some big plays from their middlemen, um, Yo, Vanukin, Haas, Paulo, which leads to Coruscant, um running onto a Mitchell Moses kick and puts it back to 2018, setting, excuse me, setting up a grandstand finish for that final 10. So it was looking like a real origin style finish there. Yep. And uh, luckily Queensland were able to absorb the pressure uh, on their defence from New South Wales and a penalty with less than two minutes remaining and, and uh, 50 metres out. Mitchell, uh, Latrell Mitchell then opted for the penalty kick at goal and it looked pretty good off the boot. But yeah, I mean, it's hard it's hard to kick to kick a 50 metre uh, penalty. I mean, it's it's probably... I was surprised actually. I thought I thought they would have put the pressure on. So did I. I know in rugby union they often take those fifty meter kicks, but it's not really a feature of rugby league, is it? You never really see them taking these long penalty kicks. So I was surprised by that. I must admit, um, and I think that they had a bit of ascendance. That like probably the Blues had a bit of ascendancy in that period. They spent a lot of time down the Queensland end of the field. So um, it was it was actually a, a pretty bad penalty to be given away by Christian Welsh as well. It was a bit of a tired sort of swinging arm there and. Um, it was late in the tackle count as well. Yeah. Um, Interestingly enough, that was the only goal missed in the whole of the Origin Series. Is that right? Yep. That was the only one. Yep. Cleary had, uh, I think I was saying 13 from 13. Up until that point, 
Mitchell hadn't missed a goal. And um, for Queensland, DCE hadn't missed a goal and Val Holmes hadn't missed a goal. So, well, how crucial is that then? Because that I mean. penalty the kick from Val Holmes at the start yeah. was a difference. And that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a 50 meter penalty kick. You can be forgiven for missing that. Anyway, Queensland are able to hang on for a 20 to 18 win. So, denying the Blues series whitewash and, you know, at least salvaging some kind of pride from that series. But as I said earlier, it can't be overlooked at how dominant the Blues were in games one and two. Um, again, well done to them. They, they, as I said, that in my opinion, that team, Blues team from games one and two is one of the great origin sides. Yeah. Yeah. As I said earlier, um, the, the introduction of Ben Hunt at, at, at Hooker and the phenom uh, himself, Caelan Ponger at fullback, were the, were the main catalyst for Queensland to get that win. I, I, I still think Daly Cherry Evans did fuck all in that, in that whole series. Um, yeah. And, I, yeah, and, and Cleary was Cleary not being there and Luai not being there were big outs for, for New South Wales. And that was that was the difference in last night's game. Uh, and I'm not saying if Cleary and Luai play New South Wales win because Queensland thoroughly deserved their win. They played uh, really good footy. Tino played a lot better. And to consider, you got to remember, uh, Queensland did that without David Fafita as well. He was out. Um, yeah, that's ended, right. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, no, I, I, I thoroughly uh, recommend... Uh, commend Queensland on their victory. Uh, will Queensland making it 2-1 for this series help Paul Green keep his job for next year's series? Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. Look, the, the, the whole, if you take take that result out of it, the whole thing has been a disaster for Queensland. Yeah. Um, it's just been, it's been a comedy of errors to be fair. Uh, just, we're about, we're actually about to talk about something in relation to that. I, I I'm not so sure. Um, that, that win, I think, think is a bit of a false false indicator i, I don't think paul green is the man i think i think we should give billy slater a go well um, you say that mark roberts says thoughts on slater coming out and saying he's turned down a coaching spot with queensland because he doesn't want to be associated with a bunch of clowns that are running things at the moment he did he, he likened it to a circus uh in his comments um paul you get Horton, the impression that yeah paul vorton came out uh, a couple of, I think it was two weeks ago, and, and said that Billy was offered the job at the beginning of the year and then no one rang him back. And next thing he knew, Paul Green had the job. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on up there in Queensland. Uh, it was something It was something along the lines of he was offered the role and he assumed that he had it. And then they came to him and said, oh, do you want to come in and do an interview? And he's like, what do you mean do an interview? Yeah, that's right. They said, oh, we just won't have a chat to you. There's another contender. And he said, oh, you can stick your job. Apparently, Paul uh, Paul Kent on R360 kind of hosed that down a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Uh, There's something, oh, there's there's a bit of a shambles, the Queensland Rugby League at the moment. You might, you throw that horrible eligibility uh, debacle in there and and Joy Arrow incident. And uh, like, as I said, I'm still. I, I, I definitely enjoyed the win last night and it was great for Queensland to get one back because we were dead set. We've never heard the end of it from you blokes if you'd won three, three nil, all three games in Queensland. Oh, yeah, that would it would have been a massive... It would have uh, been. It would have been the final insult. If we had lost last night, Green was gone for sure. He would have been yeah. probably walked out of the change room and said, don't come back, pal. Um, just a couple of comments, mate, that you might want to... We've got Jared Cunningham sure. asking, uh, where'd it go? 
There it is. Uh, I thought Teddy overplayed his hand and killed some of New South Wales forward momentum. I don't know. I I think Teddy was just really, really trying to get the win. Um, mm. Some of those guys seem like they're going through the motions. Uh, Ciala asks, is Tommy Turbo... Tommy Turbo is a better fullback than Tedesco. Yes, he is. I agree. But um, Tommy uh, Teddy couldn't play centres. Where Tommy can play fullback, centre, uh, wing. So Exactly. He's more versatile. Yeah. And Teddy's still got to be in that origin talk because he is one of the best 13 players in the game. You know? so yeah, exactly. Best 13, you find a spot for him. Uh, probably Harris, the two best row. fullbacks in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nick McKercher said, is the current New South Wales starting lineup stronger than Queensland's uh, around the 2010 era? I would say no. It's, it's a difficult one because uh, the Queen, that great Queensland team was able to sustain their success for that period. And so, that Queensland team was playing against a pretty decent New South Wales team as well, whereas New South Wales yep. in these this series, let's be honest, has been playing against a very subpar Queensland side. Mm. Um so, yeah, I, I would say no. Like, let's have that conversation in a couple of years when New South Wales, if New South Wales are able to have uh, a sustained um, success in the Origin Arena over, you know, consecutive seasons. But for now, no, that, that Queensland side was just a, a freak side that was assembled. And, uh, yeah. It was- we, we were very lucky that we had so many great once-in-a-generation players in that team all at one time, all in the peak of their powers. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, set, Ciala. Set of six. Ciala, are you ready? We're going into the set of rants. Set of rants, <laughs> sorry. And I'm going to kick this off with a, a topic I, I kind of touched on it earlier. Yep. Player stupidity. Let's get yep. stuck into some player stupidity. Who, like the weekend at Vaughnies we spoke about last week, and then four days later after that incident, when you did think that it couldn't get any dumber, Jai Arrow was caught trying to sneak a woman into his hotel room. Um, he was fined 35K, given a two-match ban, misses out on his 15K origin match fee, and his relationship is done and dusted as the woman in question was not even his girlfriend. Like, I mean, Vaughny was dumb. Is this arguably dumber? Yep. <laughs> um, it's either it's either ignorance, arrogance, or sheer stupidity. I tend to think it's a combination of the three. Yep. Um, Josh Maguire. Did anyone see Josh Maguire's press conference coming out and saying, oh, yeah, mate, I just didn't think we'd get caught, you know. We just didn't get caught at Vaughnies. Like, I mean, okay, on one side of it, Okay, it was refreshing to see someone just sort of own it and, and admit it. But the other side, like, the Dragons might want to be a bit more careful with who they put in front of the media. Yeah, well, they put <laughs> Bellin up there as well. And Bellin's uh, apologies just seemed so insincere, you know. Yeah, uh, and, 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 and Maguire was just like, oh, sorry we got caught, eh? Yeah, like, oh, we just didn't think we were going to get caught. So, sorry we got caught, but, yeah, we'd do it again. I, I, I really don't get it. I, 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 I really tend to think that these guys... They grow up being uh, treated as special because they're good at footy. You know, they live in their little footy bubble yep. and they go through school being the best footy player in their school or their class and their grade, blah, blah. They move on to juniors and they're the best player in their juniors team. They go through the NRL and they uh, they just get treated like, like not royalty, but they just get special well, treatment their whole lives and they yeah. just think that they're entitled to it. Yep. It's like, yeah, they, no one says no to them. They never hear no. 
They never hear. And we went through we went through a similar argument when we spoke about Jared Hayne and his um, mm. you know sense of entitlement and stuff when he he went to prison for uh, that sexual assault. But yeah, it, it is. It's it's arrogance. Or <laughs> Nick McCurcher says it sounds like it could be a little bit of arrogance from Joey Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, um, I agree, mate. I, I just don't get it. Um, which leads us on to the second uh, thing that I want to talk about, and it's it's harsher penalties are needed. So um, the penalties handed down by the NRL for these COVID breaches just aren't harsh enough. So the Dragons get – well, Paul Vaughan gets eight games, but um, the, the rest of the Dragons players get one-game suspension. So they can – the Dragons are able to uh, spread them out over three weeks – so that they can field a competitive side on the field. Well, bad luck. They shouldn't be able to. You've got 12 guys suspended, then 12 guys are suspended, and they sit on the sideline. And if if you have to put a reserve-grade side out there and they get lapped by 100, that's bad luck. Sorry. Why should we be accommodating them? Why should anyone be accommodating them? That's exactly them? right. Um, the other thing that gets me is if, they, if it was a COVID breach, then how come they don't have to serve a 14-day quarantine? Yeah. So I, I, I'll... We had two boys from the Warriors, uh, Ewan Aitken and, and um, Josh Curran, who are on holidays on the Gold Coast on the week off at the bye, uh, which people are entitled to do. They catch a flight back from the Gold Coast and somebody on that flight ends up being a close contact. And so these two boys have to go into isolation. They did nothing wrong, but they've missed two games effectively because, uh, and they did the right thing. Here we have the Dragons doing the wrong thing. These guys don't have to serve any um, uh, COVID isolation. They get one game suspension for doing the wrong thing. They serve less time than the guys doing the right thing. Then you have Jai Arrow, who gets a two-game suspension, but they say he can serve that whilst in isolation. So my argument should be that, okay, if they're going to break the laws, they serve their 14-day isolation because that's mandatory by the state government, and then... Um, or the federal government, sorry, and then they can serve their suspensions. Then the NRL sanctioned suspension because they, exactly. they haven't just broken the NRL's laws, they've broken the country's laws. That's exactly right. Yeah. There's just no fairness, you know. Um, you know, the, it's uh, it, it just annoying. And I'm not saying that because it's two Warriors players that um, did like had that thing. The Bulldogs did the same thing. They had their players sit out. There was three players that were close contacts that had to sit out. Um, uh, two games uh, a couple of weeks back. Back, it's just it, it, it annoys me because the penalties just aren't harsh enough. Yeah, these uh, numpties just get one week, and then now, it's like, oh yeah, and you can be creative with that. Do whatever you like with it. Exactly. Now, and we've then got they to... get to borrow one of our players. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they one of our players is told rip up his contract. The Dragons then have to sign him for three weeks, and then at the end of that, the Warriors then have to sign him back. Now. That's a massive trust thing uh, on oh, absolutely. Yeah. Noel Brown's thing because he goes to the Dragons. He's got no contract to come back to the Warriors. What if the Warriors turn around and say, you know what? We don't want you now. And and let's face it, that could easily happen. Yeah, absolutely it could. With any club. I'm not saying the yeah, Warriors yeah, would no. do that, but if he was at any club, situations like the COVID situation, which we're going to talk about in a minute, is changing by the minute. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's get into it, mate. COVID. I mean, yeah, exactly. Let's go straight into that. If the events of the past few weeks is anything to go by, COVID is absolutely far from over. Yep. Um, four weeks ago, Hammer was at the at the live game against the Storm, 
and now Sydney's in lockdown. You've been in lockdown for what, four weeks now? Yeah, pretty much three weeks, I think. Three, yeah. three weeks, yeah. yeah. The NRL this week made the unprecedented decision to relocate all 12 teams, the nine Sydney teams, Canberra Knights and the, and the Warriors, to three hotels in the Gold Coast with all NRL games to be played out of um, Seabass, Suncorp and Sunshine Coast Stadium. Um, total isolation from the outside world unless they are training and playing. So strict strict bubble conditions there, back to what it was midway through last season. Yep. Um, the Warriors with only one game scheduled for Central Coast in the next nine games. So they've decided they're just going to bite the bullet and relocate uh, to the Gold Coast for the remainder of the season. Yep. So I guess the question remains, what, what becomes of the competition moving forward with, with the rapidly changing COVID landscape that we're going through? I mean, we said before, uh, New South Wales in lockdown, Victoria about to go into a snap lockdown, very real chance that Queensland could again go in a lockdown if there's any more community transmission up here. So what um, happens then, you know? Exactly. Well, for me, having the comp relocate to, well, the interesting thing now is going to be with Melbourne going into a five-day lockdown, do they now take the storm out of Melbourne uh, and bring them up to, to Queensland and effectively have the whole comp playing out of Queensland? It, it stands to reason it's probably the smartest move. Um, we all have uh, the, the, all the teams now being up in Queensland, sorry, uh, it stands to reason it's a smart choice uh, because the Gold Coast being like the, the, um, the holiday destination capital of Australia yeah. with all the high-rise hotels and stuff is probably the best equipped place to be able to house all teams in a secure uh, bubble-type situation. Um, the problem is you're going to have – effectively, you've got, what, 12, 13, 14, 14 NRL sides in Brisbane and the Gold Coast now because uh, mm. you had the 12 that have moved up plus the Gold Coast and, and the Broncos. Um, in and around that area – uh, we've seen what happens with uh, these idiots uh, not being able to think for themselves and uh, breaking COVID. Thing. It, it's only going to take one player to do the wrong thing. Oh, and it's, the whole it's, will be shut down. It's, isn't it a worry? Isn't it a worry? All these guys on the Gold Coast, they'll be like, oh, we'll just, we'll just sneak out to like Jupiter's is. Casino or something like that. Yeah, you know? So I spoke to Jazz on Tuesday, um, just, you know, wishing him luck and with a move up north and what have you. And, and he was saying that, yeah, so when they get up there, um, they're pretty much, they can't have any contact with anybody. Uh, so the NRL are even moving their families up there, but they don't see their families for two weeks. Uh, so their families aren't going to be with them in the, in the club hotels. The families are going to be elsewhere. Um, so the families, wives, kids, partners, whatever, uh, don't get any contact with the players for two weeks, uh, even though they're up there. And then after that, it's going to be reassessed again. Um, the comp moving forward is going to be an interesting one because as we've seen, we've seen Melbourne get some cases. You were saying that uh, Queensland have now got a couple of cases. Yes, so if this right, starts yeah. to spread, the, the, could the NRL shut down the competition again like they did last year? Would they say, let okay, it's done and dusted for comp rounds. Now we're going to go straight into a semi-final series. Um, there's just so much uncertainty about what's happening. As you said, four weeks ago, I was sitting at Central Coast Stadium um, watching the game uh, with my parents uh, against the storm and chatting with the players afterwards and, and what have you. And Everything and, seems sweet. No one was particularly worried about COVID at that point in time. If someone had said to me at that game, you won't see another Warriors game live this year because COVID's going to hit and they're moving the, into a bubble in Queensland, I would have laughed at them. 
Yeah, you think it's going to have to be some kind of disaster for that to happen? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's uh, probably brings us on to the next point as well, which, which is the Warriors' COVID uncertainty. Um, and as we said, you know, the forever changing COVID landscape in Australia has ended ended any chance of the Warriors heading home to play that round twenty two game against the Bulldogs at Mount Smart, um, which is so sad for all our New Zealand based members, uh, the players themselves not being able to play in front of family again for the second year in succession. and No no NZ farewell for RTS as well. That was the big one. Yeah, no NZ farewell for RTS. Um, the Warriors have fast become the NRL nomads. We've gone from Auckland to Kiama, from Kiama to Tamworth, Tamworth to Terrigal, and now they're moving on to the Gold Coast. Um, they're the only team that seems probably well-equipped to be able to handle all of this because they've been doing it now for so long. Yeah. Um, all their games now will be played at either Suncorp or Seabus. Uh, my question is, how will COVID affect the competition next season? And could we see the Warriors having to be based in Australia for a third successive season next year? Because look where we are now. You know, I mean, at December last year, Auntie Jacinda and, and um, Scotty from marketing were both saying that, uh, you know, they're on top of it and things will happen. And the Warriors had a three-month plan in place that would turn into a six-month plan. And that quickly turned into the nine-month season plan, we're, we're no better off now than we were this time last year. No, not at all. Um, and, geez, I hate to say it, but unless things drastically improve, then I really can't see anything other than the Warriors having to be here again, at least to start the season. Yeah. Um, you know, it depends on the vaccine rollout and the the uptake of that. So yeah, it's, um, and even cases. with the vaccine rollout, there's, there's a, a nurse here in ICU working in ICU in Sydney and the, the essential workers now all have to in, in hospitals have to get tested every three days. Uh, we've got, uh, brothers in the, um, garbage collection industry who based in Fairfield who have to be tested every three days. We haven't had to go through that yet. So we're lucky. Mm. Um, but this nurse got tested and she's been vaccinated and found that she's asymptomatic. So the, mm. the vaccine stops you from getting sick, but it doesn't stop you from getting the, the uh, getting COVID. Giving it, so oh, giving it to carrier. other people as well. And you yeah. pass it to other people. So, um, yeah, it's just, and this is what I said to you before we went live on air, like you, with, with um, vaccines for diseases, they take years and years to, to develop. And this has been done in less than 12 months. And they're rushing it oh, out to the world now. Fast tracked, big time. Absolutely. I mean, what's going to happen in four years' time? Like, are people going to be dying of uh, massive organ failures because the testing on the on the vaccine wasn't done right? Are we going to end up with you know we're going to be like uh, mice in a laboratory where we have ears growing out the back of our backs or a third arm coming out the top of our head? Like, it's just yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just it's it's there's so many unanswered questions about what's going on not just with the NRL, but with COVID around the world. And um, yeah, it's just placing our sporting comp in so much uncertainty for the next, well, for the foreseeable future anyway. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors are forced to play a third successive season here in Australia. And I don't know what that means for the club. I don't know if that may, if that's a death knell for the Warriors as an NRL entity, I, I really don't know because yeah, that's that's an that's an even bigger question. Can we survive a third straight season? Yeah, or are they able to allow um, 
some kind of special uh, trans-Tasman bubble. But that's the issue. The issue now is we can't even travel state to state. Yeah. You know, I mean, the uncertainty of it. That, but that's the only way that they could, at this, at this point in time, if you're planning for the 2022 season, that's the only way that it could it could work. Yeah. So there's a lot lot that needs to happen. Um, yeah, who knows? We, we really don't know. Complete uncertainty. Yeah, um, Fabian's saying he doesn't know if the players would do it. Well, mate, they're under contract. So if they want to be rugby league players, they, I guess they have to. Like, I, I don't, like I, as again, I'm not... This is just my thoughts, um, but... There's so much uncertainty that I can't see a, a, a travel bubble for, you know, I mean, you, effectively you're talking about uh, a team of, you know, 25 players plus all the support staff. So let's say 50 people flying in and out of New Zealand next year for games under this uncertainty. They're just, I don't know. Mm. It, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. Nobody knows. And how's that going to affect Origin next year, mate? Yeah, exactly. Origin 2022, with all three games being played in Queensland, um, unexpectedly, this series due to the COVID effects for Melbourne Game 1 and Sydney um, Game 2. Should should the Blues um, get three games in Sydney next year, or at the very least, two of the three games? I think, I think probably two of the three games. But again, it depends on what's going on in the world, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's it's gonna it's solely gonna depend on how everything is being managed at that time. Yeah, I, I'd I'd agree with you. Two two um, home games in Sydney. Uh, I mean, it's not like. I mean, the the games were played in Queensland out of necessity. It wasn't. Question for you. Yeah, that's right. It was out of necessity. It's, yeah. it's where it had to happen. Um, Question for you: The crowd last night at Seabus was it a was it a capped uh, ticket sales? Like, were, were they a percentage of tickets, or did that was it a did they try to sell it all out and that just people just didn't turn up? I'm I'm pretty sure they just went they just tried to sell it out because it's twenty six thousand, so the capacity is like twenty eight thousand, I think. Okay. There was there twenty six thousand because it looked like there was a whole section where there was no one there. Yeah, there were a few miss, there were a few empty seats. Maybe some people had. Well, I mean, they didn't have that long to get their tickets, so it's not like they could say, "Oh, I'm not going to go because of what's going on," because that, they would have only gone on sale, you know, actually yeah, a week before. Yeah, so I don't know. What, what again? It's another one of those questions where, okay, yes, the Blues should get the majority of the home games. But there's an asterisk against it, as, yep. as there is with everything. So, yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, just wait and see. Wait and see. Uh, it is interesting they're saying that the World Cup's going ahead still, though. Uh, oh, I'd, I'd be surprised if it does. Well, it's been so, they've said it's going to be the go ahead. The, the issue, I, I think, is going to be um, we're, we're just talking off topic here, but the issue is going to be whether the teams that participate, whether the players based in Australia, um, are able to go over there and play or whether the Australian team is made up of expats uh, playing in the English Super League. Same with the New Zealand team. Um, and it'd have to be the same with so- uh, Tonga, Samoa. Like the, the nucleus of those Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, uh, Papua New Guinea, Australia, New Zealand, 
uh, are all uh, Cook Islands are all Aussie-based players. So predominantly, yeah. yeah. Going to be interesting to see how it goes ahead. Um, the last rant uh, is going to be. Oh, Christian says, "What's your guys' thoughts on Sean Johnson's tweet?" I agree with his tweet. I think they should have moved the comp to New Zealand and played the remaining part of the season in New Zealand, up and down the New Zealand coastline, uh, up and down the country, give the New Zealand fans something to see uh, and finish the comp under with no uncertainty. But it was never going to happen. Uh, really they had like a week. They had a week to do it to organise it all, and, and logistically, it just would have been too big a task. I think. Absolutely, a great idea in theory, though. Yeah. Uh, the other thing too is whether the crowds would turn up. Like, would the would the New Zealand crowds go to a say a, a Titans versus um, Bulldogs game in Wellington or you know wherever it is that they're going to be playing? So, uh, uh, who knows? Great in theory. Interesting that he's come out and said it now. I wonder if he hadn't assigned with the Warriors, whether he would have said that three weeks ago. Um, but you know we love him now. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, my the last uh, set of six op- uh, topic is the women's game, the women's uh, WNRL or NRLW, which everyone knows is something that's very dear to my heart. We do have a, a close connection with a, a lot of the girls that, that uh, play in this comp, uh, not just for the Warriors but for other teams as well. Uh, and now there's some uncertainty around the NRLW competition with the shift of the NRL competition north to Queensland. Um, I don't think the NRL would entertain the idea of having to relocate the six NRLW, NRLW teams to Queensland as well, uh, probably opting to scrap the season if it gets to that um, or scrap that competition. Uh, and the reason I say that is the NRL refused to help fund the Warriors this season in the NRLW competition, which is why the Warriors are not part of the competition. The NRL helped them last year and weren't prepared to do so this year. Um, so funding and relocating, uh, relocation, accommodation and so forth of the six teams and their support staff um, for a seven-week competition, I don't think is on the NRL's agenda. Uh, and I hope I'm wrong. I, I have spoken to you um, Karina over the weekend, Karina Brown, and uh, Titans were supposed to start their... NRLW preseason, so the, the girls are supposed to have a five-week preseason leading into the first game, which was going to be uh, coincide with round 23 of the NRL, which is when we play the the Broncos mm. up at um, Suncorp. Yep. Originally on the original schedule, they um, now can't train together, uh, so they're training in isolation. So they they're not coming together now as a squad until possibly next week. And I think it's just going to be a week-by-week thing. So a lot of uncertainty around the women's game, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, so, yeah, so watch this space. Any any news we get on, on the women's game will we'll surely pass on to everybody. But um, uh, our whole set of sticks this week is just COVID-related uh, because that has just it's, – it's just taken everything over in, this, in the past seven days. Yeah, I mean, we've just been – caught up in a wave of it reminds me of like the early stages of it last year yeah where everything was just changing day by day and the fact that the comps now been relocated to queensland it feels like a last desperate attempt to keep everything going yep but uh, we shall we shall soldier on and we do have a game this weekend against yeah, yeah. the high-flying okay. penrith panthers penny panthers up my neck of the woods at suncorp stadium so it's turning the the broncos game on Sunday into a double header. Uh, so we are the we have a 150 kickoff against the Penrith Panthers. The team lines up as Reese Walsh at fullback, 
Dallin, Watini Zalesniak, and Roger Tuivasa-Shek on the wings. Rocco Berry and Hectic Montoya in the centres. Cody and Sean O'Sullivan are retained as the halves. Adam Fanua-Blake, Matt Lodge in the front row with Wade Egan at hooker. Elisi Katoa, Bailey Sirinan, and Jazz Tavanga make the uh, round out the starting lineup. On the bench, Josh Curran, great to see him back. Lisa Armau, Bunty Afoa, and Kane Evans, but I would expect there'll be some changes there. Um, Adam Pompey, Ewan Aitken, Chad Townsend, and Tohu Harris. Um, a, a couple of interesting inclusions on the extended reserves. Yeah. Uh, I think it was initially thought that they could be out for about four to six weeks. Uh, so I did notice that the NRL physio uh, commented that it can be a two to four week recovery with those injuries. So he says technically they do fall into that two week category. So I would, de- I would dare suggest that um, if Chad Townsend can prove his fitness, he'll probably come in for one of those guys, most likely O'Sullivan, I would suggest. Yeah. Um, I, I'm also expecting that you and Aiken will slot straight in for Marcelo Montoya. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously, um, if Torhu Harris is fit, he'll come in. Jazz will probably shift back to the, the bench and uh, either Kane Evans or Lisa Armel will drop out of that. Um, more than likely Kane Evans because Brownie seems to like playing Lisa Armel. Uh, yeah, so it doesn't seem, doesn't seem sold on Kane either. So The, the interesting out is Ben Murdoch-Masilla. Yeah, um, what was that? Is, that? is that down to an injury or was he just straight up dropped? I thinking straight out dropped because he's uh, not even on the extended reserves no no so he hasn't been himself he hasn't been himself the last two games no. but there's been worse performers yeah and uh Murchie omitted as well now i think that might just be he, he was shocking on the weekend uh it was it was probably his worst game for the club unfortunately yeah. for the merchandise we do love him but um yeah two, two like crucial handling errors there again is he just trying too hard because he's getting such limited game time that he just wants to be be everything and do everything when he's out on the field that he's just overthinking it too much. He's putting so much pressure on himself because it is, it's, it's uncharacteristic of nerves. And he's clearly l- lacking match fitness. Yep. Um, he, he, there's a couple of games there where he was absolutely, absolutely uh, rooted after. I suppose the good the thing now with the boys all being based up in Queensland is hopefully, um, whoever doesn't get picked for the Warriors can just go straight over to Redcliffe and play for the Dolphins and get some game time. Because that's been like Jermaine Tanoa's Brown's problem in the past couple of weeks is he hasn't played any footy. Yeah, if you're um, constantly on the extended reserves or the 18th man, then you're not going to be playing. You're just going to no. be sitting there tapping your feet in the sideline. So. That's right. Um, yeah, it's crucial that these guys get some, um, get interesting some runs on the Interesting to see um, Junior Rituva played for Redcliffe on the weekend. Yes, Scored a uh, try and, and Jaden Nikarima with a double as well. So Jaden Nikarima looked looked good. So he could be a prospect for both those guys could be good prospects for twenty twenty two. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rituva yeah. is under contract, so his his second year of his two year deal, I think, will be reactivated. Yeah. Uh, um, well, okay. The round, other round eighteen games, mate. Round eighteen. So first up on Friday, no Thursday game due to Origin, obviously, and because you're listening to us, <laughs> so, <laughs> we are your Thursday game. Yeah, Thursday, Thursday night entertainment. More, more entertaining, of course. Yeah. Uh, we've got the Titans versus the Eels at Seabus. Uh, Titans Origin players Brimson Fafida and Tino all named. Uh, Jaden Campbell named on extended bench. 
former warrior Aaron Clark is the only hooker name, so probably expecting big minutes from him. Well, they've got it, Peachy on the bench, so he'll probably slot in there. Yeah, he can, he can play a bit of nine, of course. Yep. Uh, the Eels' origin players, Gutherson, Moses and Paulo, all named. Hayes Dunster continues to hold on to the wing spot and Reed Marnie named to return from injury. Uh, I, I think this one will be a bit closer than a lot of people think. I think Parramatta will, I think we'll have a little bit too much class. I think I'm expecting Parramatta in a close one here. I think there might be quite a few points scored. I'm thinking Parramatta 13 plus and Mike Acevo with a try double. Okay, fair enough. Um, the second game on Friday night at Seabus Super is the Sea Eagles versus the Dragons. Um, the Sea Eagles have named Turbo and DCE uh, to play. I wouldn't be surprised if they're both uh, admitted from the starting side, especially Turbo. He did pick up a bit of a head knock yesterday and um, yeah, Manly might, might want to keep him under wraps considering it is the Dragons who are a little bit under um, manned this week with their couple of their boys serving suspensions. Uh, Josh Schuster returns from injury, uh, which forces uh, Mad Dog Carl Lawton back to the bench. Uh, for the Dragons, Dufty, Alvaro, Fui Mayono, and Jack, uh, Zach Lomax all serving their one-game suspension. Uh, Tyrell Sloan comes in at fullback. Jackson Ford returns from injury. Uh, Warrior, uh, Jermaine Tanoa-Brown named on the bench, uh, part of his three-week contract with the Dragons. Um, I just think if Tommy Turbo plays Manly 13-plus, if Tommy Turbo doesn't play, Manly 1-12. to 12. Exactly, exactly right. It all depends on what Turbo does. Um, a decimated dragon side. Uh, I mean, like they were awful against us as well yeah. when they when they we gifted them that win. So I, I mean, I'm expecting a big manly win. I think regardless. Um, Saturday afternoon, we're back at Seabus again um, for the third straight game. We've got the Raiders versus the Sharks. Raiders, uh, Ricky sticking solid with the winning team, so no changes made to the 17 from last week. Yep. So. Interesting. Um, Sharks, Connor Tracy named in the centres. Origin discard, the pre-Jack, Mulatalo named on the wing. And Braden Trindle, the partner, SJ in the halves. And Maweni Hiroti named on the bench. I am going to pick the Sharks in a close one here. I'm going to pick the Raiders in a close one. I think they're going to be buoyed by that uh, win last week. Um, I love their pack. I think their pack is is an awesome pack, and they're 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 a much better team than where they're positioned on the ladder. And Way better. Yeah. I can, I can see the Raiders going on a bit of a run now. Now that they're starting to get a little bit of confidence back, um, going on a bit of a run and. Uh, yeah, making a play for the top eight. So I'll pick the Raiders 1-12. to 12. Of all the teams outside, they are the only one that seems the most capable to actually do anything when they get into the eight. Yeah, absolutely. If, if if their form, the first part of this season, has been just so uncharacteristic um, with the players they've got on the field. Uh, that Xavier Savage, exciting uh, prospect at fullback too. Mm. Uh, he was a sprint champion from up in Queensland. Uh, so, yeah, uh, love to see him in open space, see see what he can produce. What if he's related to former Bronco, Pat Savage? I don't know. It might be. Probably is, yeah. 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 Um, all right. Uh, second game on Saturday is uh, at Queensland Country Bank Stadium. And it is the uh, North Queensland Cowboys versus the Sydney Roosters Cowboys. Uh, Todd Payton has named an unchanged backline. 
Francis Molo comes into the starting 13. Cohen Hess moves back to the bench. Petter Holler back into the 17. Uh, and Lachlan Burr has gone back to the extended bench. Uh, the Roosters, uh, Tedesco has been named at fullback. Uh, Joey Manu moves back to the centres. Angus Crichton back into the team in the uh, second row. Uh, the quarterback, Fletcher Baker, uh, the Omaha, Nebraska boy. Omaha, Nebraska, All-American. <laughs> back onto the bench. Seaway uh, Takiaho out. I'm not sure if that's injury or – I'm assuming injury. I don't think it's suspension. Um, yeah, I, I picked the Roosters 13-plus. I just think they'll be way too strong um, for the Cowboys and look for Sam Walker to run – 90 metres backwards at some stage in this game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go to the Roosters as well. I think it'll be closer. I think the Cowboys are a much better team at home. And I think Toddy would have given them a bit of a bit of a lecture or the way yeah. he, he looked in the dressing rooms at to- in the coach's box a couple of times. Yeah. Um, so that brings us on to the last two games. Uh, well, we got... No, sorry. The last game on Saturday is at, actually at Amy Park. Storm versus Knights, nice, but that could very well change. Correct. Um, based on what we just talked about. Yep. Uh, the origin players, Hines, Munster and Fanukan are all named. Hines still at fullback for the injured uh, little puppy. Uh, Ryan Pappenhausen, the hectic cheeseburger, is at hooker. Uh, Sasquatch and baby Bigfoot in a dominant pack. And the HBK Aaron Booth named on the bench. So I think you have to do some translation there for all our viewers. <laughs> <laughs> The Hectic Cheese is obviously Brandon yep. Smith. The Sasquatch and Baby Bigfoot are the Bromwich brothers. Uh, Jesse Bromwich, Sasquatch and Baby Bigfoot is Kenny. And the Heartbreak Kid, HBK, Aaron Booth. He was the Heartbreak Kid. He had the, the Shawn Michaels long hair, but he's since shaved his head. But sorry, the nickname sticks. Until he, until we come up with a different one. Yep, righto. And for the Knights, Ponga name to back up after Origin. And I love this one, the Predator. <laughs> if it bleeds, we can kill it. Uh, Dominic Young retains his place on the wing. Daniel Saifidi named, although missing from the origin due to injury. And the granite block, Tyson Frizzell, back from injury. Uh, it's got to be a big storm win here. Can't see anything other than. No, I agree. Storm 13 plus. Um, yeah, and that's all I can say about that, mate. They're, they're just on a roll. They're too good. They've won. No like- matter who is in or out of their team, it doesn't seem to phase them, does it? Look, they're so they're, jealous. They're quite- They've won 13 of their last 16 by more by scoring over 40 points, and I'd put money on to score 40 again. Uh, so this could be a bloodbath, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sunday, first game, Sunday, Warriors versus Panthers at Suncorp Stadium. The Warriors, no changes to the 13 name last week. Uh, Murchie and Ben Murdoch-Masilla out of the squad. Ewan Aitken and Josh Curran uh, back from COVID isolation. Uh, Chad Townsend and Tohu Harris both named on the extended bench. For the Panthers, uh, Dylan Edwards returns to fullback, which moves shit stains back to the wing. Uh, Naden, I, I was going to come up with a name for uh, Naden, but I, I haven't yet. Um, You're sniffing around, though. Yeah, I am sniffing around. Uh, he'll be sniffing around all game. Um, Burton and the Snail named in the halves for the injured Luai and Cyborg. Uh, <laughs> kick out back from injury, which is a massive in for Penrith. Uh, and Casper Martin uh, back <laughs> named... To return from origin. Um, as much as it kills me to say it, I think the Panthers will win uh, and I'm going to pick them 1-12. to 12. How dare you? Seriously. How dare you? I'm going to go Warriors by two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And straight after that, we've got the Broncos and the Tigers. What do, what do we reckon, Carl? 
the Broncos. Tessie New keeps his place at fullback. Corey Oates back in the mix, starting on the wing. Throwing a Gamble and Croft in the halves pairing. Is that two weeks in a row? Yeah, is, I know. That, is, oh, what's, what's going on, Kevy? I know. <laughs> um, Reese Kennedy to start in the front row following the departure of Matty Lodge. TC Rabadi and uh, Kobe Hetherington are in the run on 13. The Tigers, interesting one here. Ex-Warrior Junior Paga named in the, to make his first grade debut in the centres. I remember him in the lower grades. Yep. And at the awards dinner that I went to in 2018, that's when he actually announced that he signed at the time with the Raiders. So yep. it's good to see him now making his first grade debut. Yeah. Big Stefano named in the front row. Um, Alex Twile back on the bench. Thomas McKayley at lock. Adam Dewey back to six which moves uh, Moses Mbay to the bench. And Tuki Simpkins, named to make his debut as well. So they got to try something here, the Tigers. Yeah. Uh, look, I am thinking that the Broncos will get the job done here. I think it'll be a seesawing, high-scoring kind of match, but I'm going to pick the Broncos 1-12. to I'm on the Tigers 1-12, to mate. I think Adam Dewey back at 5-8 is a massive in for them. Yeah, it's, it's a good move, um, I think, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Kenny Mamalo to score a double. Uh, for the for the Tigers, I think. Kenny in the corner. Kenny in the corner. Uh, happy birthday to Kenny too. It's Kenny's birthday today. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Best wishes, big fella. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the final game is uh, the Rabbits versus the Bulldogs at Seabus Super Stadium. Seabus um, Super Stadium. Seabus. Uh, the Rabbits. Latrell Mitchell back at fullback. Uh, Dane Gagai back at centre on that uh, lethal left edge. Harm Sele is out. Uh, Tom Burgess back into the run on side. Uh, for the Bulldogs, unchained lineup uh, to the team that almost knocked off the Roosters. Ava C among a fungi back from injury and named on the bench. Uh, the Scarecrow has been named on the extended bench. And uh, Jade Nockenball named on the extended bench uh, for the first time this year coming back from injury. So uh, I think the Rabbits will be far too strong. Uh, Rabbits 13 plus. I'm going to go the Rabbits by 22. <laughs> All right, and it's over to you now, Queensland, uh, where the Warriors recon, uh, confirmed to be relocated up north. Uh, it's Who's with me? Who's with me? It's up to those Queen, uh, it's, Queensland It's Ruse fans. time to shine here. <laughs> yep, our Queensland-based fans to get along to the game. So this weekend, uh, what bay is it, mate? Bay 326? Yeah, uh, the official email that came from the club is 326. Now, I'm not 100% sure if that is the away supporter section, even though it's technically a home game for us. Yep. Um, personally, me and the boys will be sitting in section 328. So yep. if anyone else is in section 328, come and say good day. We might, at halftime, we might make our way round to 326 anyway and try and catch up with some of you guys. I'll bring some posters round as well. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so, so look out for us there um, on Sunday. Um, I, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one because, yeah, it's te- it's technically our home game, but it's the Broncos' home game. So it's hard to sort of – would have been a last-minute kind of arrangement, I'm guessing, of where to put all the Warriors faithful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hopefully, if 326 remains our section, then moving forward, if we, if we do get to have more games at Suncorp, then that will – that's where we'll be looking to sit moving forward. It really surprised me to be quite honest because um, when they released the hubs for the teams that are going to be in certain hubs, they had the Warriors listed as Seabus Super Stadium. So I just assumed that our home games would be at Seabus Super. But we'd get much better home crowd there. Yeah. 
obviously, I mean, they're, try, they're obviously working it out for, um, you know, what's available and when and so forth. So uh, moving forward, round 18, uh, we're playing the Panthers at Suncorp Stadium. Round 19 is as per the NRL draw, which is the Rabbitohs at Sunshine Coast Stadium. I'm sure tickets are on sale for that one. And then tickets all... are on sale, but um, so unfortunately, Sunshine Coast not being a not being such a large stadium, I think it's mostly sold out. Yep. Um, there, there are a few uh, expense a uh, bit more pricier tickets still available. Last time I checked. And then at this stage, uh, round twenty versus the Tigers, the final game of the twenty twenty one Mike Doreen Cup um, is a venue to be confirmed. So no venue for because it was supposed to be Bank West. Uh, round 21 versus Sharks, venue to be confirmed. That was to be at uh, Central Coast, but obviously now not going to be. So um, venue to be confirmed for that one. Round 22 versus the Bulldogs. We're supposed to go home to Mount Snart Stadium. Again, venue to be confirmed. And once these venues are confirmed, we'll let everyone know where they are um, so that you know the Queensland-based fan, uh, Warriors fans can, can get their tickets early. Uh, round 23 will still go ahead at Suncorp Stadium versus Broncos. Um, tickets on sale for that one. Uh, I was hoping to be at that game, but I doubt whether uh, borders will be open to, to get up there for that. Uh, if they it's, do... It's one week at a time at the moment, guys, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, round 24 versus the Raiders, supposed to be the Warriors' last home game at Central Coast Stadium, venue to be confirmed. And then the final game of the season, round 25 uh, versus the Gold Coast Titans at Seabus Super Stadium which will be RTS's final regular season uh, club game for the Warriors. And pretty much the way we're traveling, to be honest, it could be his final game for the Warriors. Mm. Um, I'm hoping borders are open for that. Uh, I've got, you know, we've got tickets for that game, waiting to see. So uh, really hoping I can get up there uh, for the final game of the season. But out of our hands, we'll, we'll take it as it comes. Um, but yeah, uh, make sure... You keep up to date with uh, where the venues, uh, uh, when the venues and game times are announced. Uh, get your tickets. Make sure you get there uh, with um, Rob and, and Sean and Nick. Um, support the boys. That's uh, it. Yeah, this is our opportunity. And who knows when we're going to have this many games up our neck of the woods again absolutely. in such you've, close you've proximity. You've got to take advantage of it. Like for the last, you know, 12 months, uh, especially for me, I've been... So lucky that the Warriors have been based in, in Terrigal and played out of the Central Coast. And although it's a, an hour and 40-minute trip for me up, up up to watch them play, it's a hour and 40-minute trip that I, I'm willing to, I was willing to do every week um, to show our support for the club. So now that the club is, has been forced to relocate up to Queensland, it's the great opportunity for our Queensland-based Origin fans to continue on what we here in Sydney have tried to do and show the boys some love and, and some support at the games. Um, being so far away from home and, and not being able to play in front of their home fans, uh, it's important that we, you know, continue to show our support of the club. So um, we, wish, said, yeah. we wish all the players, uh, all the management, all the staff, uh, all the best up there in Queensland. I, I sincerely hope that everyone stays safe, obeys the COVID protocols that are put in place. Uh, and that too with the fans, you know, obey those COVID protocols, uh, make sure that we do everything we can to ensure this comp stays um, stays running, uh, which is, you know, paramount for these boys. Um, if you do get to the games, Rob's got some posters, so make sure you, 
I sure do. Yep. Come and see me. I'll make, as I said, I'll make my way over to section 326 as well, probably at half time, maybe just maybe before kickoffs or depending on where we get there. I mean, everything's sort of a little bit up in the air, but it's yep. about when we're going to get there, but we will organize something. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and then upcoming live chats. We've uh, touched base with Brent Tate. So we'll have him coming up as a live chat very, very soon. Uh, we just want to thank everyone for their support of the live chats uh, recently. The, the Steve Price one has been going gangbusters on all our media outlets. Yeah, thank you to all you guys who, who tuned in live, have re-watched yeah. it, have watched on all our all our different uh, platforms. And while I'm speaking of that, don't forget, you can always check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, any of the podcast platforms as well. I see a lot of you guys have been supporting us on those as well, which is fantastic. And we we, we sincerely thank you for that. Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, and uh, Radio Direct as well. And iHeartRadio now. And iHeartRadio, sorry, yes. Um, yep. Yeah, we've also I've also been uh, chatting with Jazz Devanga, so we're going to get him on in uh, a couple of weeks once they get settled up in Queensland and going to get him on for his take on on how this season's gone in, in respect of living away from home, uh, living in... Pretty effectively, it'll be living in three different areas of, of Australia with uh, Tamworth in January, then into the Terrigal and on the Central Coast and now up to the Gold Coast. So it'll be great to hear his thoughts. And we're hoping to have Karina Brown and Georgia Hale on uh, once we get confirmation of the women's comp going ahead and starting. Both girls are linked with the Gold Coast Titans this year. So we're going to get them on for a bit of a chat and talk about uh, their upcoming NRLW season. Um, but aside from that, guys, uh, thanks very much for tuning in tonight on this special. Oh, don't, don't forget as well, sorry, mate. Next Tuesday, yep, we are going to open the show up to you. Yep, absolutely. See, ask us, ask us anything. Show next Tuesday. So there's something you've always wanted to ask Hammer or myself. Save it for next Tuesday. Get in there on the live feed, and we'll be uh, going through a few questions. Absolutely. Uh, you got some some more player nicknames that you want to throw into the mix? Yep. By all means. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, yeah, we're loving the interaction that we get from you guys on a week-to-week basis. Uh, we do thank you very, very much for your support. Um, everyone, stay safe. Uh, this this pandemic is not over. Um, Far so from everyone, it. you know, do the right thing. Stay safe. Wash your hands. You know, sanitize. Wear masks. All that kind of stuff. Uh, and if you can get to SunCorp on Sunday, get out there, support the boys. If you can't, make sure you tune in and watch. Uh, Good night, everyone, and go those Warriors. Go the Warriors. Thanks, guys. Cheers, boys. Cheers.